Angels that rock and roll, sparkle as they play with their wings, shepherds that dance with sheep, sitting cross-legged, getting uncomfortable, waiting on the finale after their bit is done, kings that seem totally bemused as they circle round and round and round till we three kings is finished, a sleep-deprived innkeeper whose moment of glory is over all too soon, who ends up in tears, as in the moment he fluffs his lines and says, yes, indeed, come in. A beautiful young mother, chuffed to bits, to be picked for the role. A reluctant father, a bit embarrassed, as I'm far too old to be standing up here with these kids. And even the adults get involved now, hauled out by their children who think it's hysterical that mummy has to put on a donkey outfit and dad has to dress up as a king. Beforehand, of course, the team put in great work, unheralded, getting all the outfits ready, sometimes even ironed. Here, just like the real thing 2,000 years ago, there is a part for everyone to play in the telling of this generation's story, the nativity, the greatest story ever told. Everybody has a role, and shouldn't it be so? Doesn't everybody have a role to play in the telling of the good news? A vital role, we might say, to tell a story that is counter, countercultural, to the way it so often is, the way it seems so often in today's experiences of life, society and world. The traditional Christmas nativity dates back to medieval times. Victorians have given us a lot that is fashionable in our Christmases today, but going back even further, one source suggests the nativity originated in 1223, created by no less a figure than Francis of Assisi. A Franciscan monk, St. Bonaventure, records, Francis set up a scene in a cave just outside the town of Grigio in Italy. He used live animals, a wax figure to represent Jesus, a real man and a real woman dressed up as Mary and Joseph, all to create a visual image for his audience. Keen to bring the story to the masses, 
He saw the value of such a tableau, extending the story of the nativity into the grasp of all, regardless of literacy or education. Another source suggests the nativity play originated even earlier, in the 12th century. And that's what we've reenacted tonight. A choir boy, playing the part of an angel, announces the birth of Christ from on high. Glory to God in the highest. And the priests below answer, and on earth peace and goodwill to all men and women. Several of the cathedral's canons, dressed as shepherds and wise men, draw near to the altar. Two priests, acting as midwives, stop them and ask, Whom do you seek? And they reply, Our Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And the priest pulls back a curtain, revealing a stable containing a statue of virgin and child. The shepherds and wise men bow, worshipping as they leave, singing hallelujahs. So whatever the accuracy of the origin and the dating of the nativity play, we accept that such a visual display of the event itself had then and continues to have unbelievable power to take us into the very story itself. And we don't have to be factually accurate to historical timelines to recognize that this play, featuring shepherds and angels and the holy family and animals and wise men and the magical quality of the whole experience somehow has that ability to capture imagination and to take all present into the story that is the promise of Emmanuel, the promise that God is with us. Ahaz did not ask for a sign, but God gave him a sign anyway. God had become tired of people's dullness in seeking the wisdom of God, seeking God in places where God wasn't. The sign Isaiah gives in the passage we read is an ordinary sign of a pregnant mother, a baby, and the coming of age of a child. This interventionist God of Isaiah becomes apparent in ordinary life, just like the scene in the characters of a nativity play. In Isaiah's prophecy, the sign makes its impact in two opposite ways. Isaiah forecasts a particular child displaying the name Emmanuel. He names the child God with us. This makes him unlike anything the world has known, could know. God himself, God incarnate, difficult for mortals to relate to that fact. And yet, Isaiah also gives us the ordinariness 
of an image of a baby born, a child, eating curds and honey. And that is an image, surely, within our grasp. Reminding us that signs of God's incarnational presence are everywhere. They're not reserved for the one-off, or the hard-to-imagine, or the unrepeatable circumstances of our relationship with God, but they are within touching distance. Are we prepared to look for signs around us in the everyday, in the everywhere? Are we open to being surprised by the sweet taste of the living God touching our lips like curds and honey? Are we open to being enthralled by a young child full of life's charms or moved by the passionate voice of a teenager talking passionately about politics or the environment or the oneness of humanity and creation and all people being equal. I think there's a danger today that God could become as weary with us as he was with the people under Ahaz, those to whom Isaiah prophesied. Do we miss the signs of God's presence when we are too readily looking for him in the razzle and dazzle, the bash-bang wallop, the knock-to-your-knees type stuff. Ignoring the incarnational presence, revelation of God in the everyday, grounded reality of our life. As God breaks through the veil that separates heaven from earth, not as a one-off, but regularly. Do we fail to see these incarnations happening all around us, challenging us to set God even more free to bring good news to the world? What our ancient predecessors, perhaps Francis or those in the cathedrals of medieval Europe, came up with in that tableau idea, what they've got right is that the story of God needs to be brought into the everyday. And I think that's one of the dangers of a watch night service that's so unique and special and wonderful, and it should be. But God is in the everyday not the one night. The incarnation is not something just to be talked about either. It's not something to be educated on or studied, but instead opened out that we might feel, sense, and be part of it. Actual participants in the story of incarnation. Not God an incarnation, God with us over there, but God with us wherever we are. Not merely spectators or audience, but participants. I think in Manifield, over the Christmas season, we've tried to bring people into that story, and I hope that through the services over December we achieve that. Participating in carol singing, 
the contemporary and traditional readings of a carol service, the fun pop-up nativity play on Sunday with kids and random adults dressing up, adults doing something that they would never do in normal life, but they get pulled up to do in that special service. The karaoke singing that we had earlier tonight, the knocking down the snowmen with fake snowballs. None of this is highbrow, intellectual theologizing, but it's intended to let people into the joy, the miracle and the glory of incarnation, God's advent, the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We need to open the door wide to a group of people because the world is so mixed up. Life can be grisly and torrid. Society leaves some left out. You and I sometimes forget and have the misplaced balance in life as to what matters. And so to be moved to be reminded, to be rebooted by this story, to discover it did not happen away from us or is unreachable for us, but that instead we are participants in it, front and central in the middle of the story of God's love for the world. That's the whole point of tonight. It's the whole point of the season of Christmas. Folks, I pray that you do indeed know that special feeling tonight that you leave here not unmoved. That having worshipped in this midnight hour yet again, you are transformed in the hope you have of yourself and the hope you have for the world because you know the value of yourself to God and you know the depth of God's love for you and for the world. Amen. As we reach the day itself, let us draw close to God. Let us pray. Lord, join our voices together in this moment as an offering to you and a blessing to one another, join our voices to you this night, for the heavens are glad and the earth rejoices. We are ready. Your birth in time, your birth in humble love, your birth in persistent and ever-present grace. Stir up for us our wonder and awe. Make us pause from tending our daily business, cast out our fear with the hope of angel song, call forth your justice with a newborn baby's cry, and join our voices to your good news. For Christmas Day has come, the world has waited, and now the world celebrates in tune. <laughs> 